and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we're going to go to both Heaven and Hell with the Grim Reaper. We're going to go enter the Battle of the Bands and hope we win. And then also we're going to try to not run over cats today. But anyway, besides all of that, we're going to be covering today 1991's Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh, this is a continuation from last week when I was doing Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I thought, why not? So, as I mentioned last week, I watched both of these Bill and Ted movies uh, recently last year. I didn't grow up watching them or anything like that. So, I was only so familiar with the first movie, and then, obviously, second movie, I'm like, okay, they made a second movie, that's fun, but I, I didn't know anything about it. And so they were on prime and I watched them cause I was like, why not? And plus I also wanted to kind of watch the third movie too. So I thought, why not watch that? And I will say that this film is still in the same, you know, kind of ridiculous universe that Bill and Ted live in. It, it definitely goes a little bit more off the rails. I still like it. I think when I initially reviewed it, it was like four stars for me. And now I would maybe give it a three and a half or so. It's not a bad movie. It's definitely different than the first. It's a very different movie. It's a, li- a lot darker, actually, than the first movie, which I can appreciate. And definitely some horror for, uh, for young people in this a little bit. Just some of the imagery. And I also think this movie in particular has some really striking imagery, um, more so than the first one. The first one's very much like kind of grounded, not even in reality, but like it's there's not these fantastical like sets and all of these, you know, artistic perspectives being used in this. Uh, It's a pretty straightforward story, but this one is, you know, Bill and Ted getting killed and going to heaven and hell and you know like they're facing their fears and and it's just it's it's a it's a really beautiful movie to look at really um i I think it's just visually striking a little bit more so than the first one is but but yeah i i enjoyed myself and again i think it's a completely different movie it has a completely different humor to it you know kind of you know some of the same humor but definitely a little bit uh a little bit edgier if you will (laughs) you know and so i will probably not uh cover the third movie at the moment i really don't want to right now so and it's my show i can do what i want but uh you know again the third movie isn't too bad either you know you got the original guys in it you have like um samar weaving is there and uh kristen shawl's there like i actually got the blu-ray for this and that's where i'm actually getting some of this information from too that i'll be sharing in the show you know uh, i came from screen factory i didn't even know that and i was like oh yeah pumped up because screen factory has some good releases sometimes which is really nice but without further ado though uh, with all that being said, what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, talk about some figures in the movie, talk about the critical response to this movie, just how did it get made? I mean, obviously it's a sequel, but, you know, a little bit more about how it got made, and then we'll move into a plot summary of the movie as well. So without further ado, let's move on to those figures. So Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was released on July 19th, 1991, and was written by Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, and was directed by Pete Hewitt and produced by Scott Krupp. We're looking at an estimated budget of about $20 million, and we're looking at a gross U.S. and Canada box office of $38,037,513, and a gross worldwide box office of $38,039,850. We're looking at a Rotten Tomatoes score of 56% on both the tomato meter and audience score. 
We're looking at an IMDb score of 6.3 out of 10 and a letterbox score of 3.3 out of 5. For our cast of characters, we have Keanu Reeves as Ted Theodore Logan and also Evil Ted, Alex Winter as Bill S. Preston Esquire and also Granny S. Preston and Evil Bill, William Sadler as Death or the Grim Reaper, Joss Ackland as Chuck Dinomalos, George Carlin as Rufus, Chelsea Ross as Colonel Oates, Pam Greer as Miss Wardro, Annette Azkoy as Elizabeth, one of the princesses, and Sarah Trigger as Joanna, the other princess. We have Hal Lannon Jr. as Captain Logan, Ted's father, J. Patrick McNamara as Mr. Preston, Bill's father, Amy Stockpointon as Missy, formerly Bill's stepmother, now Ted's stepmother, Ed Gale and Arturo Gill as Station, Tom Allard as Big Station, Michael Shrimp Chambers as Good Robot Bill, Bruno Taco Falcon as Good Robot Ted, Taj Mahal as Gatekeeper, Frank Welker as the voices of Satan, the Easter Bunny, and Station, and then Tony Cox also as Station. And we also have little fun cameos from some of the members of Primus, and also from Faith No More as well. Some critical response quotes about Bill and Ted's bogus journey are as follows. We have Ralph Novak from People Magazine, who states, Sorry dudes, this is a totally bogus sequel. We then have Gene Siskel from Chicago Tribune, who states, High-tech special effects come to the rescue of the party dudes in this uneven sequel that has some big laughs and plenty of repetitive jokes. And then we also have Owen Gleiberman from Entertainment Weekly, who states, The new movie, which is about how the scruffy pair save the world, or something, sends them to heaven and hell and everywhere in between. The sets are impressive, but the joke has worn perilously. So before we move into any kind of plot summary about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, I wanted to go over just some pieces of information about production history and how the movie came to be. Now, you may be wondering, okay, it's a sequel, so obviously it's kind of how it happened, but pretty much the first movie came out, people really seemed to like it, and then it uh, really kind of hit where they ended up getting a animated TV show there was then a, you know, ill-fated live-action TV show, too, and just a lot of uh, merchandising around this. You know, Bill and Ted became these popular characters, uh, especially for, you know, maybe preteen, teen audience, kind of, sort of, uh, or just people who, I guess, really liked the characters. And so they decided about maybe three to four months afterward, and I'm getting this information from the Scream Factory Blu-ray of Big uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, where they have this, like, 52-minute, like, little doc saying, um, talking about stuff, and it has, like, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter in it. It's got, um, I think, Ed Solomon is in it. Uh, a couple different people, like the producer and a bunch of different people. Um, and they talk about their experience with the movie. And pretty much they, uh, about three or four months after the Excellent Adventure came out, they were putting together a, uh, a sequel because they saw that how popular it got. And so uh, this initial script was actually called uh, Bill and Ted Go to Hell. So that was the initial, and they, I think, even shot it as Bill and Ted Go to Hell, really. Kind of like how Scary Movie was the initial name for Scream, and it was shot as Scary Movie, and then it became Scream at kind of the 11th hour. This is a similar thing, where this was shot as Bill and Ted Go to Hell, and then was turned into Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Apparently, that was because of marketing things, so because 
America is kind of puritanical at its core, uh, and we can't use hell in a movie, apparently, in the title, uh, <laughs> that was just going to be a no-go. Especially if this was marketed to younger folks, I guess. Um, then, yeah, I guess I understand that. But anyway, but they made this, and it really was going to be this whole thing of, like, you know, Bill and Ted are going to heaven and hell, and they are facing their fears. And, and they had this initial script going on about this, because... But the actual, one of the ideas that the screenwriters had was actually, so the first movie was them going through history, right? Because they're history class. So they actually kind of wanted to do something, uh, Chris and Ed wanted to do something where maybe it would be for like another class. So they wanted to like do this um, thing with English, English class. So Bill and Ted would then like visit different books like crime and punishment and like you know like um different book uh you know environments and stuff like that which i thought would be kind of really fun actually i think that's actually a fun little idea but they ended up going with this idea um of them going to heaven and hell and and dealing with all that so and then, you know, they kind of pushed this in production. Uh, as we know, the initial movie came out in 1989. Uh, this movie came out in 91. So, you know, they literally shot it like the year after it, the uh, first movie came out. So they put it into production. Uh, of course, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter came back. And they were, you know, yeah, they, they had this whole idea of how they were going to do this. The script was written and they just went off to the races, really. Again, they shot it as Bill and Ted go to hell. They had this whole idea. For example, like uh, Keanu Reeves was also starting to hit a little bit different because he had been in Bill and Ted. He'd been in Dangerous Liaisons at this point. But then also he had just been in My Own Private Idaho, which I haven't seen that movie, but I know it's a really, really good gay story uh, because they're playing like gay like uh, sex workers, kind of. So like, you know, I... I, I kind of do want to see that, honestly. And River Phoenix is a really good actor. Rest in peace. But anyway, so we have that. And then, so, like, his hair was different <laughs> for this movie because he had had to cut it. And, yeah, but anyway, so, like, they had this whole idea of doing, yeah, just doing the story of Bill and Ted going throughout. <laughs> Again, just, like, they end up getting killed. And they go down to hell. And they seem to like hell, kind of. They think it's real metal. So, like, you know, they kind of like that. And then going to heaven, they had to figure out how they were going to, like, show that as well. Which I think they end up pulling off in the end. I'm trying to think of anything else really fun. They, of course, had to find someone to play death. Um, they were going to do a little bit of, like, you know, they were kind of riffing a little bit on the Seventh Seal, uh, which is a Bergman film. So, I I've never really seen it. I know there's the death character in there, but they were looking and looking for somebody, and they ended up coming across William Sadler, who at this point had played the villain in a couple different movies. I know him from being the janitor in Disturbing Behavior, and we'll do a Disturbing Behavior episode one day. It's going to happen. But yeah, William Sadler to me is that guy. Um, and he's a good actor. He's great as death as well. He's a really, really good character in this. He's really... It's weird because he's like this scary presence right because he's because he is the grim reaper but like also he's like super funny and i just think that's really cool that he can balance both of those but yeah i mean really when it comes down to it there's nothing too much about the movie like in terms of production stuff you know the big thing would be like for example like josh ackland who plays denomalos in this movie which is ed solomon spelled backwards you know they're um he came on set and you know he's a great villain you know he's it begins the movie he's the villain throughout 
pretty much. <laughs> According to Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, like, they, they, oh my god, like, Joss hated them, apparently. <laughs> I don't know if he, like, despised the movie necessarily, but I think he just thought they were, like, annoying, apparently. <laughs> Which I think is kind of fun. Um, again, like, you know, you never know. Plus, also, he's, like, this older guy now. You know, in the movie, he was older, and then now he's no longer with us. But, like, you know, these guys are just, in, like, their mid-20s at this point, And they're probably... <laughs> they don't even think anything. But they, they loved him, though. That's the thing. They kind of got the vibe that maybe he didn't like them very much. But what was crazy is that they really liked him. They really were a fan of his work. And were like, hey, dude, like, you're really cool. <laughs> Um, you know, it's just, yeah, so silly. Of course, we also have to have our obligatory, we have to have our obligatory writer cameos. So Chris and Ed are in this movie. They are in the seance. And then also they are um, also watching TV near the end with the Battle of the Bands with the people from the seance. Uh, so that's really fun. And I, I really enjoy that. I like how they have little cameos throughout the movies. Yeah. Don't think there's a whole lot of everything else, though. You know, the movie came out, you know, it, it, it did a little bit better, I guess. Um, in regards to what they had done, they made about $38 million across a like 20-ish million dollar budget. So that's not too bad. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where I definitely think with Bill and Ted's bogus journey, they were talking in the little doc about like how there's different camps of people. <laughs> there's some people who really love the first movie. There's some people who really love the second movie, actually, and don't really like the first movie a ton. And then there's people who kind of fall into both where they like both just because of how ridiculous it is. Which I, I kind of think I fall into that. I do like both of these films. I think I might like Excellent Adventure a little bit more, but just a little bit more. Because this one really just goes off the rails more so. But even with that, though, like I still think, like again, like I was saying earlier, I think this one is a very visually striking. It has a real, it has a weird sense of, of style to it. Um, and especially just how the sets are with some of these things. I, you know, it's it's really good. And I mean, it, it stands above what the first one had in terms of that. So that's what makes it different, which I, I really like. But anyway, again, not going to go too much else on here. But what we're going to do now is we're going to, uh, with all that being said, with all of that information behind us, I do recommend that little documentary if you want to get this Blu-ray, you know, to find out more about it. But we're going to now move into a plot summary of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So we begin our movie with our introduction to to actually Denomalos, which again is as Solomon spelled backwards. This character is played by Joss Ackland, and he is our main villain of the story. So he is uh, addressing his like army of people from the future, and he's pretty much talking about how he's going to destroy Bill and Ted, because as we know, uh, in this future, Bill and Ted are kind of like the ones who have made this perfect utopian society that these folks are living in. And so, yeah, they're going to put an end to that shit. So then we have our intro to <laughs> Bill and Ted University, where apparently they have a college named after them uh, in the future. And it literally looks like... I love the uh, the sets and the costume design of this movie. It's giving you very weird Xenon girl of the 21st century type shit, which I really like. Um, and so you have like their statue with Bill and Ted, and then they have their be excellent to each other and party on dudes. Um, 
like little statue. It's like really silly. I have in my notes that these fucking outfits are goddamn iconic, and they really are. I think these, this is what sets this movie apart from the first one, um, and even the third one, is that this one is, like, so looped and warped that I'm just like, oh my god, I don't know what they were doing, but, like, I'm here for it. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And then we have our classroom scene where everyone is in their, like, iconic outfits, and they're all, you know, going to class at Bill and Ted University, and so we have our intro to Rufus, played by George Carlin, who is like a professor at this college, apparently. Uh, he's brought back in the good old uh, phone booth, which is the only thing that stays the same from the first movie, I guess. He's brought back like Thomas Edison uh, to the class. He's brought back Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach. And also the guy from Faith No More. The guy who apparently, uh, James, I think his name is. Uh, the guy who's no longer in the band, actually. And then also somebody named Risha Pashil, I believe. And this is, like, obviously a um, a fake character from, like, the future. Like, in the past of the future. Uh, that they bring back and apparently they're famous or whatever. But they bring them back into class and whatever. And Rufus is talking. But then uh, Denomalos and his army, his gang, like, come in and break in, right? Uh, and they break into the classroom and they're storming that shit, okay? And then we see that uh, Denomalos and Rufus know each other, and so they have their little exchange here and there, and pretty much they are then introduced to, from Denomalos, we're introduced to evil Bill and Ted, which we see that are pretty much literally Bill and Ted, it's just that they're robots, and they're actually just more mean and, and you know, than the regular Bill and Ted. But we get this whole idea that, like, pretty much what Evil Bill and Ted are there to do is that they are there to pretty much go and kill the real Bill and Ted and, you know, be able to fuck their shit up so that, you know, again, you won't have this wonderful utopian society going on. So that's, like, the whole basis of kind of this movie, really. Then we get our actual introduction to actual Bill and Ted, of course, played by Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. They are at the Civic Auditorium. Oh, so a lot of this was shot in Los Angeles now. <laughs> a lot of it was done in California. As we know before, The most of the movie was done in Arizona. So the second movie is actually done in California. And so they're at the Civic Auditorium. They're getting ready for this battle of the bands they're going to be doing because Wild Stallions is still going strong. And uh, then we get our introduction to Miss Wardrow. Okay. And she is like the, she's like the booker for this battle of the bands, I guess. And she's like real popular punk rock she's a real rock chick and it's fucking pam greer okay now listen we gotta give pam greer a minute because we love pam greer okay like we just like her she was in bones bitch Ooh, bones Okay, so we're also going to talk about Bones a little bit. Okay, so if you haven't watched Bones from 2001 with Snoop Dogg, uh, you better go watch that shit. Okay, if you're a horror fan, go watch it. It's really great. It has um, Pam Greer, Snoop Dogg, Bianca Lawson, Catherine Isabel, uh, everybody. It's it's really good. Like, it is a wonderful kind of homage to black exploitation films, but also I think is still a fair, pretty good horror movie. Uh, I think it was horribly mismarketed and i think uh ernest dickerson is not happy about that who directed it uh the guy from demon knight you know yeah go watch bones it's fucking great and pam greer's there she's awesome uh and then of course she's in jawbreaker as detective veracruz just so good of course she's like foxy brown she's coffee like she's a fucking icon like obviously um even with her shaky things she did with like you know some of the early films she did but even with that she's a fucking icon love her 
there was my Pam Greer moment because she deserves it. And she's in this movie, which is really fun because I think in this movie, especially the director, Pete Hewitt and stuff, you know, they were really able to get a lot more people as opposed to the first one to really get to be a part of this. But, you know, but <laughs> pretty much Miss Wardrobe is being all like, you know, yeah, you guys stink though. Like, you know, do you think I'd book you? You know, like what the hell? Um, and they're like, yeah, I know we suck, but like, you know, we're going to get better. And like, well, let's do this, blah, 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 whatever. So I'm like, all right, cool, fine, great. So then we go to a party, I guess, at Bill and Ted's house, or at least where they live. I think they actually live in an apartment, but this is like their apartment, um, like building, I guess, which like looks really nice. It's in West Hollywood, apparently, uh, and it's actually the same. I only watched a couple of episodes of this show, but if you've ever seen the show Transparent with Jeffrey Tambor uh, on Amazon and Gabby Hoffman, if you've ever seen that show, this is actually also uh, the apartment that they using that movie, uh, show uh, so that's kind of fun kind of love that but there's a party at Bill and Ted's like place and pretty much um, we find out that uh, Bill and Ted so Bill's dad was divorced by Missy and now uh, Missy is with Ted's dad with uh, Ted's dad yeah and so that's kind of fun and you know uh, of course Bill's dad's like all sad uh, that you know all this is happening because of their horse they're all there and so then we have the princesses who are now played by completely different ladies because and so um, they take the girls outside of their apartment and they recite poems to them pretty much uh, from what I've gathered uh, like respectively and then they pretty much propose to them and they give them like these little heart rings which I thought was really cute uh, but yeah so that's kind of what happens with that pretty much then you know bill and ted are going back to their apartment but in the meantime we then see the evil bill and ted show up in in the phone booth uh at the circle k you know there's also a circle k in you know la somewhere apparently that they found and i also like that my notes are all over the place it's so weird but pretty much they show up in the present day and then dinamalos is like communicating with them through like video or whatever and dinamalos has given his like book to all the people like in the future which i thought was really funny his name is nominos dinamalos or something like it's just so silly but pretty much so like the regular bill and ted they go back to their apartment um because you know they're done with the princesses they're like you know calling it quits for the night and then so the princesses then call so the princesses leave and then they go back to their apartment and then they get a phone call and it's the princesses apparently but they're calling to pretty much say like they quit the band and they hate them and like all this stuff but really when we find out it's actually just evil bill and ted who are like putting on the voices of the princesses to then pretty much just like kind of fuck with bill and ted pretty much so then we have bill and ted are all sad after being pretty much broken up with by the princesses quote unquote and uh to drown their sorrows they're just like sitting on the couch like drinking and then they are watching uh episode of star trek now i'm not a trekkie or anything so i don't know much about that but this does come back a little bit because star trek they're watching this episode uh where they're at these rocks and they actually do go to these rocks a little bit later in the movie so then evil bill and ted they come to visit because if you remember from the first movie there was like future bill and ted that came back and saw present bill and ted and so 
so they don't think anything of it that like apparently these Bill and Ted's just come to visit them, which is really weird. Um, so Evil Bill and Ted come to visit, and pretty much what they do is that they're like, oh hey, like we know how you can get the princesses back. Like let us drive you to these mountains, and then they're gonna meet you there or whatever. And so of course because Bill and Ted are kind of dimwits, they are just like I have a bad feeling. Like of course, so Ted is all like, hey, I have a bad feeling about this, and then Bill's just like, I oh, don't worry, it's all right you know um did we have like a really great adventure we got to obviously talk about the first movie a little bit and then you know they're like, all right well let's do it fine all right let's go so then they drive through the night to go to these mountains or whatever pretty much with evil bill and ted who are driving them there and then pretty much what happens they get to these mountains which are the same mountains that were used in that star trek episode that they were talking about which is kind of fun so evil bill and ted pretty much lead regular Bill and Ted to their death so they like pretty much reveal their plan about how they're going to kill them pretty much and so they lead them up these rocks similar to how they were just watching on Star Trek where the sky goes up these rocks and then pretty much we have from there they throw Bill and Ted off of a cliff and then pretty much they die and then of course you have to throw in the fact that they use the F slur uh, after the regular Bill and Ted say that we love you we love you and then of course they just like throw them off the cliff and call them f-words which is just you know that's 1991 for you baby okay listen so anyway all right then we have okay so evil bill and ted are now going to like wreak havoc or whatever right so then now uh you have bill and ted dead on the you know on the ground and you have grayscale bill and ted which was uh, a choice they wanted to make where you know to show that they are dead they wanted to have them pretty much be monochromatic which i thought was a really good choice actually and so you have that and you know, Bill and Ted are talking about how they're dead and like how they're dealing with that. Then we have our wonderful introduction to the Grim Reaper. Uh, you see him in the, uh, the distance and then he comes up right behind them. Of course, the Grim Reaper is played by William Sadler. And so Bill and Ted decide, uh, you know, when the Grim Reaper's talking to them about how he's going to take them forever and all this stuff, Bill and Ted then give death a Melvin, which I guess is kind of a wedgie, but you do it on the front part or something in the crotch area. I don't know. They give him a Melvin, I guess. And so then they have kind of incapacitated Grim Reaper and they decide to just walk back to Sam Demas, apparently, which is like hundreds of miles away, but they're dead. So who cares? But anyway, so, all right. So dead Bill and Ted then go back home and they're seeing what's going on. And so pretty much what's going on is that the princesses are actually still there, obviously, like, cause they're, you know, still around and pretty much evil Bill and Ted are just being dicks and to the princesses and just, you know, being rude. Like one of them says, like, <laughs> I think it's evil uh, Bill who says like, you know, well, we used to be pussweeds, but now we're totally metal. So come over here and put out. Like, it's so bad. Uh, Alex Winter did say that apparently he did get some hate mail about being evil Bill. Um, because you just don't, you don't think of these characters, especially from the first movie, as being rude and horrible, right? So, like, when you see them in the second movie and they're a little bit more edgy, like, it's, it's a whole thing. But anyway, I still kind of like it. But then pretty much Evil Bill and Ted, again, they leave to then wreak havoc. They leave the, um the room uh, that they're in to, to then do that. So then in the meantime, while Evil Bill and Ted are on their rampage, 
we have dead Bill and Ted who go to the police station, which if you remember, obviously, uh, Ted's dad, uh, he is a police officer. And so um, they go in and they have this whole meeting with the police officers that's going on and dead Bill and Ted are there. And so Ted then uh, possesses his dad and he is telling the other police officers about how Bill and Ted have been killed and murdered and how they need to like help with that apparently. So I love this because uh, they've definitely talked about how like Hal Landon Jr., who plays the dad how he had to really take on imitating keanu reeves at that time and i think he does a fantastic job i mean he's a theater actor so of course like i wouldn't expect otherwise but like he just is so good so hilarious he hits it right then and it's really really good and even keanu reeves said like yeah no he did a good job and so then bill uh he then possesses the sergeant that's like sitting with the dad as well who's apparently um some character actor i don't i'm sorry i don't know his name off the top of my head was it chelsea no not chelsea ross that's the other guy but anyway Anyway, he's uh, a character actor, and so <laughs> it's just funny because you see these like middle-aged men, pretty much, who are just acting like these like twenty-somethings, uh, and it's just very, very hilarious. But then, anyway, so they go outside. Um, they walk outside after this meeting, and Bill, dead Bill, dead Bill and Ted. They you know leave the bodies of these people, and then the the sergeant and Bill's dad are just like, or uh, Ted's dad are just like, mm, okay. <laughs> all right anyway so then this movie is all over the place so get into it okay then you have missy played by amy stock Poynton, um and so she's doing a seance because it's the 90s baby and we're doing seances okay we have missy doing a seance for some reason and this is and so they're doing the seance and then bill and ted crash the seance because they're dead and so of course they're gonna crash it obviously you see the people in the seance, you know, a bunch of shit's happening. It's very, like, poltergeist-esque in a way, like, how they're doing this. Some of these visual effects, you're like, what the hell is going on? But, like, I'm kind of here for it, though. Um, so then you have Missy is, like, trying to rid this, you know, she's trying to get rid of all this. So she has a book called The Riddance of Evil, I believe. And so she opens it and she's reading from it to try to like make this stop. And so as part of doing that, when she's like doing this incantation or something like that, she then uh, actually sends Bill and Ted to hell. And pretty much what happens is that Bill and Ted then, you know, go from the seance and they now are falling down to hell. And I love this scene because, um, Literally, it's just so hilarious because it's Bill and Ted in a black background and they're just like falling like through the air. But it's so far that it's just like it's so ridiculous because like they are just like continually falling and then just like they're screaming. But then they're like, ah, and they keep like screaming. But then like at one point they're playing 20 questions. Like it's just like so hilarious. I think Alex Winter even said like, if this wasn't the trailer to the movie, it should have been because it's just like, it just sums it up very, very well. So Bill and Ted, they fall down into hell. They don't know where they're at right away, but then they're like, Oh, okay. I guess this is where we're at. So they are, you know, going on like this little track, I guess, that comes up to like this 
like head i they it's like this head of like what the devil does look like and then you actually do see the devil at one point fun little fact about the devil is that it was actually supposed to be scarier than it ended up being but again they didn't want to traumatize kids too much apparently but all of these voices uh well the voice of satan in this movie uh but also of station and of like the easter bunny i believe are all done by frank welker and if you don't know who frank welker is he is a uh voice actor he is the he was the main voice actor of fred from scooby-doo uh but he also is the voice of scooby-doo technically too and then also he's literally just voiced everybody everything so any kind of dog noise any kind of animal noise you can think of from like some cartoon is probably frank welker like he's literally amazing bill and ted end up in the maze of fears and it's like this fucking awesome ass like little maze looking set that actually was built to be very uncomfortable for the actors uh it was made to be kind of too small so that they'd have to like duck under everything and uh the production designer actually made this so that like the dolly tracks were already kind of in the um in the maze so like doing um tracking shots would be really really easy actually to do which was really cool but oh my god it's like something out of fucking um like cube or something or or not Event Horizon, but, like, it just looks like a fucking, like, weird-ass, like, sci-fi horror movie. It's just so interesting. But anyway, so, I do have in my notes, these sets are fucking iconic. So, yes, they are. They are just, it just looks so different. And again, they're not even working with that much more money. Uh, but the way that they were able to make this scale just so grand i i really loved it so they have each of their fears that they um have so for example they both are in the barracks the fear there and that's with colonel oates played by chelsea ross and so this is like the military school that ted would be sent to and so like this is all like because we see him earlier in the movie too at the party but like anyway we have that and then that's their fear of like going to military school and like having to like do infinity push-ups and shit like that it's just you know and this set's like really really nice and really look good looking you know it's like just these barracks with like these bunk beds and then it just looks so like off kilter and weird so you have that fear then they leave there and they run out of there um and then they go into their respective fears so for example ted goes into this easter bunny fear because apparently he stole his brother's like easter candy and so one time and so like he is afraid of the easter bunny uh and so the easter bunny in this movie again is uh voiced by frank welker but then also was created by kevin yeager he did a lot of the he did all of the the special effects and like creature design of this movie so if you don't know who kevin yeager is he is the guy who pretty much created chucky um like literally the puppet and he's still involved with them today if i'm not mistaken like or he's still pretty much yeah he's a horror movie like icon when it comes to this kind of stuff because he's done so much within it um he's been on nightmare on elm street he's been he's he's done so much like you know go look up kevin yeager he's a fucking you know sick ass dude so you have the easter bunny fear and that's ted's fear you see the little ted played by like a kid actor which is like really fun and then you have the grandma fear so then you have little uh bill <laughs> little bill <laughs> anyway so like you know you have the little bill and so he goes and he's afraid 
afraid of his grandmother uh, because she's just fucking creepy looking and scary. Um, and so this uh, granny, Preston, is played by Alex Winter under a whole lot of makeup. Per his request, he totally wanted to do this. Uh, he made a movie called Freaked in 93, which is very much about... Oh, it's very uh, based in uh, makeup design and, and creature design and stuff. So this was just like a precursor to that a little bit because he really enjoyed this. And he does a great job. This is fucking... This movie is fucking freaky. This is a PG movie, everybody. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is insane. But anyway... So, again, you have those respective fears that they deal with, and so they're just like, oh my god, I gotta, like, leave. So they end up leaving their respective fears, and they're running away, but then they're, like, almost, they're cornered by their fears. So, like, you have Colonel Oates running down one hall, you have the Easter Bunny hopping, of course, down one hall, and then you have Granny, like, running down one hall, right? And so they come to this point of, like, oh my god, like, we're about to be, you know, (laughs) we're about to be, like, terrorized by our fears, But then they decide, they're like, all right, you know what, we're going to just, we're going to have to, you know, give to the Grim Reaper. We're going to have to, you know, play his reindeer games pretty much at this point. So then you have the Grim Reaper and Bill and Ted are together and because they're in hell, remember? And so um, they end up playing these games with the Grim Reaper. So the Grim Reaper comes back and they're now playing these games. So uh, they play Battleship, where Bill and Ted beat the Grim Reaper. They play Clue, where, again, they beat the Grim Reaper. They play this football little game, and again, they beat him. And then Twister, also. They also uh, play Twister, and they beat him. And so because uh, they're playing these games uh, set forth by the Grim Reaper, um, they're playing these games with them. Because they beat him, They now um, he now has to do what they say, and he now has to help them you know, try to get back to life. And so then pretty much what happens after these games, and this is like the most known part of this movie, I think as well, is these games um, that they play, which I just think is really funny and silly. I think in this documentary I was talking about earlier, near the end of it, they talk about why do people like these movies so much. And I do think there is a certain level, uh, they talk about how there's a certain level of absurdity to these movies, which I completely agree, but there's also a level of heart to them, which I will probably get into later, but I do think there is, and and I just love how absurd some of this stuff is. Like, the fact that you're having to play these household games uh, with, with death, and you beat him because he's probably never played these, is just so ridiculous and silly, and I kind of love it. But the Grim Reaper then takes Bill and Ted to heaven, you know, so you went to hell, now you gotta go to heaven. And so then they go to heaven, and they're, like, at the pearly gates, if you will. They're not pearly gates, technically, but they, like, have this, it's very serene and all of this. And so they uh, they come up, and they're just like, oh my god, we're gonna, like, not dress right? Like, what are we gonna do? So they see these people walking by, like, one's in a trench coat, and then there's this lady in a dress or whatever. And so then, like, they end up, like, going off screen, and then they lure these three people that you see walking over to them and then they're just like you hear these sound effects where they just like punch them and like mug them and they jack their clothes pretty much so you see bill in this like trench coat ted is in this like other uh get up and then of course you have the one and only uh grim reaper and he's in a dress and it looks really cute i like it it's a fashion moment but anyway so (laughs) 
Uh, they then walk into death, you know, they walk into to heaven pretty much. Well, before they get into heaven, really, they are stopped by the gatekeeper of heaven, played by Taj Mahal, who is uh, a jazz guy who's no longer with us, but he plays that. That's a big deal. They talk about, like, <laughs> the gatekeeper asks him, like, what is the meaning of life? The gang is then let into heaven, and so we see that uh, when they're put into heaven, they are let in there. They then talk to God, I guess, which we don't actually ever see, like, the manifestation of God. We just see them, like, talking up to the sky, and they're just talking, and then they end up getting this, like, Glinda-ass, like, uh, (laughs) like, pink, like, sphere that comes down, and it turns into, like, this clear thing that Bill picks up that they use to, like, go somewhere. I don't even know. Again, this movie, after a while, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, it kind of goes off the rails a little bit. But anyway, we're, we're here for the ride, okay? So then, we're back on Earth, and Bill, Evil Bill and Ted are causing destruction. They're, like, you know, fucking... They're they're just, like, fucking up, like, the, the, the apartment, and they're, like, just fucking everything up. But don't forget about Denomalos. We can't forget that Joss Ackland is in this movie and so he then comes in you know, on video and is like you know hey what the fuck are you guys doing like you need to fucking do some shit you need to like make sure that like you do this whole thing with the battle of the bands too like that's kind of why i sent you to earth like what the fuck are you doing and this is why i sent you into the past so <laughs> you have that then we're back in heaven and uh they're playing charades in heaven so bill and ted and death see that um and so uh, they see these like weird looking like creatures i guess uh which we end up finding out their name is station and station are played by uh, little people actually uh, initially this was a guy by the name of tony cox who was playing him um who was in bad santa i believe so a lot of these people were so tony cox initially played station but then he just was like fuck you guys i'm leaving <laughs> So some of his stuff was, you know, shot with that. But then generally it was um, Ed Gale and Arturo Gill who actually were playing Station. So, you know, that's who that was. And those are all little people as well. But anyway, so you have the intro to Station. And Station is like the smartest people in the ever-loving universe and all that. And so the fact that they're like these little creature things is like, what the hell is this? Um, but pretty much what uh, Bill and Ted ask is they, they ask Station to come back to Earth with them and to help build good robot Bill and Ted's so that the good robot Bill and Ted's can then fight the evil Bill and Ted's. Because, uh, again, they're robots. But anyway, so... And Station's like, hell yeah, let's do it. So then... We have that Bill and Ted then come back to life on Earth, which is wonderful. And the aliens, Station, and Death are now tagging along. Uh, they have their Wild Stallions van, which we saw earlier, uh, which is fun because you listened to my last episode. Uh, initially, there was this was supposed to be a time van that they had, but they didn't do that. And so now they're a band, and every band has a van, so they had to have a Wild Stallion van, which was really fun. So, in the meantime, like, Evil Bill and Ted are, like, terrorizing, like, cats, like, trying to run them over and stuff, as you, you know, do when you're evil. And then also they crash, like, literally into the window of Missy's place. And then, like, in this situation, they are doing this, um... They're doing this thing where, like, they have the evil breath that they do to, like, knock her out. And then just, again, like, fuck shit up. 
And actually, there was supposed to be a punch in this. So, like, literally, Evil Bill was supposed to punch out Missy, but they thought that was too violent. So instead, that's why she looks the way she does. Is that's why that's why she looks like she's got like punched in the face <laughs> because initially it was supposed to be a punch, but then they added the line in with Evil Breath and all that stuff, and that's how they ended up doing that. The magic of movies. But then, anyway, so the gang ends up going to uh, the hardware store to go pick up some things to make the robot Bill and Ted's, the good robot Bill and Ted's, um, to pick up the supplies. Uh, but then evil Bill and Ted are now kill- kidnapping the princesses in the meantime as well to, like, you know, put them into peril and danger, as you do when you're evil. But anyway, so then... Um, so in this hardware store, I think it's fun. I love this little hardware store scene because it's literally just like death and station just walking around the aisles just of the hardware store with a cart. Like, station's trying to push the cart. It's really cute. And, like, death is pushing the cart. We do have our director cameo in here as well. So Pete Hewitt, who is the director of this movie, is actually the guy in the aisle who's smoking the cigarette that says uh, death is saying like I'll see you real soon uh, and literally that's Pete Hewitt the director of this movie which is like really fun um, he was brought on because um, Scott Krupp the producer I think had seen one of his short films and like how fucking stylized it was and they were like oh my god we need this guy so that's why they ended up getting him uh, but then so the stations the little stations uh, become one big station because they decide like once they have all their fucking supplies they're you know <laughs> gonna become big station which was actually played by another actor uh who is literally a tall ass actor apparently which is like really fun and so anyway so big station goes into the van and then bill and ted and death are in the van too and everything um so big station is now beginning to make the good robot bill and ted's in the back of the van uh and then while they're doing that death is also like creating the wigs and like uh helping a little bit too of course as as they would and so anyway uh in the meantime while the big station is making um the good robot bill and ted's we now have the beginning of the battle of the bands um so we have that going on i think i mentioned it earlier but if i didn't this was all done in california and this was actually uh this battle of the band stuff was actually done at magic mountain uh six flags magic mountain if i'm not mistaken uh so that's kind of fun but the thing about it is that because they shot all of this in California, it was fucking hot as shit. So, like, literally, that was one of the things they came up across was, like, especially with this, um, doing this Battle of the Band stuff, like, it was just fucking hot. And then also, with William Sadler playing um, Death, it was so hot for him because you have to imagine he's in makeup and then also he has this like heavy ass like robe he's wearing and oh my god like he apparently just was sweating so bad through this whole movie and he never complained which is amazing and that just goes to show of an actor he is you know i mean yeah because i'd be complaining all day but anyway so but no anyway so uh we're we're at there the gang then arrive at the civic center now here's the thing too with this movie, there was supposed to be a different ending to this movie. So, this was initially supposed to have, like, a kind of showdown between Bill and Ted and Death, and then also the fears we saw before. So, Colonel Oates, Granny, and the Easter Bunny were all supposed to, like, kind of have this, like, Mad Max-seeming, like, fucking ending and shit. But then... That ended up just not happening. But they shot some of it, though. That's the thing. They did shoot some of this. Uh, At some point, I think Keanu Reeves even said, like, at one point, like, 
it just became Bill and Ted's omitted adventure, um, like omitted journey pretty much because literally they would sometimes get script, you know, because of course you have like the locked in script that you're actually going to do, but then like you would just get these scripts that would just have like these pages like omitted and because it's omitted, they're not going to do it. So it just ended up becoming like Bill and Ted's like omitted journey. Um, because yeah, it just got completely changed up. Don't really know why it got changed up. I don't know if it was a budget thing or anything like that, but they just didn't end up going with it, you know? They just they just didn't. So, uh, but they arrive at the Civic Center, and so we see that, you know, they're ready with good robot Bill and Ted. Um, with that, these uh, actual good robots are played by dancers. Uh, you have Michael Shrimp uh, Chambers as good robot Bill, and then Bruno Taco Falcon as good robot Ted and Shrimp is actually the guy who uh, is in the movie Breakin' and Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo. Um, so both of these people are like uh, break dancers, pretty much. And so uh, it's just so cool that they were able to do that with this. And I just think that's really awesome. But yeah, so Bill and Ted are ready to go fight Evil Bill and Ted, and they're ready to do this. So they're like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So then you have Evil Bill and Ted are on stage, and they're about to go up and like do their thing. But then you see that you know, actual Bill and Ted are there with the robot Bill and Ted's. So they're there. We see that the, the princesses have been like tied up into the ceiling and they're like in danger now. And then pretty much what happens is you're at this battle of the bands going on. And what ends up happening is that, uh, Bill and Ted are controlling, uh, good robot Bill and Ted. I also love before they go into the civic center when, William Sadler's just so funny as death because he's just like, you know, what about me? I made the wigs. <laughs> and then he's also like, um, don't discount my butt. Like, leaping uh, burns a lot of calories. I work out a lot. It's just like, the, the the way that William Sadler does this death character is so funny. The weird Czechoslovakian, like, fucking, like, accent he has that he does, it just sets it apart and makes it so funny. And I think that's what really works it. But yeah, pretty much what happens uh, to close out this movie Again, it's like kind of a clipped ending, but like good robot Bill and Ted pretty much knock evil Bill and Ted's blocks off. That's a reference to uh, killer clowns from outer space. But they pretty much just like punch their heads off. And then that's how you beat the evil robots, apparently. So, of course, we uh, can't forget that Denomalos is in this movie because we really only see him like throughout. Honestly, we don't see him very much. But anyway, he comes back uh, in his, you know, fucking uh, phone booth. And so he comes back and he's broadcasting the whole world. Okay. He's broadcasting the the demise of Bill and Ted throughout the, the whole world. We do also see that. So we're like in Asia or China, I think. Yeah, we're in China, Russia, oh, England, uh, and all of this. So we have like uh, Italy. That's another one. Like they have these different like scenes set up, different sets set up to represent different parts of the world. And fun little fact with the uh, English dad or the English uh, scene, that's actually William Sadler out of uh, <laughs> Death Drag. And uh, that's actually his real life wife and his real life child. So they play like the English family, which is really fun because William Sadler really wanted to be in the movie without having makeup on. So like he, they were like, hey, you could do this. That's fun. And so that's what he looks like outside of um, outside of makeup. So of course, Denomalos is trying to like broadcast to the whole world like that he's going to kill Bill and Ted pretty much. But then they end up getting arrested. <laughs> Uh, because they, they, uh, Bill and Ted have worked some magic or whatever, and Denomalos is about to shoot them, 
but it ends up being like it's one of those gag guns where like uh it's just like a little like flag that says wild stallions that comes out of it just like so silly and so yeah denomalous gets arrested by the police i guess question mark whatever who knows and then we're getting to near the end of the movie. So now we're like, you know, um, Miss Wardrobe is there because we can't forget Pam Greer's in this movie. And so then um, she comes up and, you know, she's like, you know, oh, hey, guys. And then we end up finding out that Miss Wardrobe has actually been Rufus this whole time. Because, again, George Carlin collected that check. Uh, he didn't have to really be in the movie a whole lot. He was in it for like five minutes, which is like honestly the goal. But anyway, so then they're about to go up for the Battle of the Bands. And then... Uh, Ted's all like, you know, what are we supposed to do, dude? Like, we're not even good. And then Bill's like, well, maybe we should get good, Bill. Uh, maybe we should get good, Ted. Um, and so then, uh, what ends up happening is because they have the time travel capabilities, uh, Bill and Ted then come back from the future uh, with, like, their little babies strapped to their backs and, like, all that. So they did, like, a 16-month intensive on guitar or whatever. And so, yeah, they're playing at the Battle of the Bands. Um, and they're like shredding on their guitars and stuff. And then we have this ending song, um, to the movie and they're dancing. Everyone's dancing all around the world. It gives me very Spice World vibes where, you know, they have their little concert at the end and like, you see the whole world kind of like, you know, dancing along with them and everything. Oh, don't worry. We'll do Spice World one of these days. It's going to happen. That's going to be a shit show. But anyway, so, um, yeah, and then pretty much that's the end of the movie. Uh, then you have the ending sequence where it's literally these, like, fake uh, newspaper articles about what's gone on. So, like, you know, Bill and Ted and Death got together as a band, but then they broke off for one another. And then you find out that uh, Missy actually ended up marrying Denomalos, apparently, and all of this. And you just have these, like, weird, like, endings. Apparently, I think Bill and Ted then end up going to Mars somehow, and, like being there and like having their show there so yeah and then that is the end of bill and ted's bogus journey so in regards to uh bill and ted's bogus journey um i i have to say i mean i was saying it earlier obviously and i'm just gushing about these movies but i really do enjoy um both of these films i think they're really just super fun and and um this one in particular um i i think it does have a certain visual style to it that makes it set itself apart, uh, as opposed to the first movie of it. Um, I think it's a little bit edgier, which I'm not opposed to. You know, I, I, I'm totally fine with that. So, like, I think, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a different story. And, and you could just tell a lot of people in this are having so much fun with it, you know? And I think that's the huge thing about these movies is that they're supposed to be that way. They're supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be enjoyable. Um, there's this nice little message in them of, you know, be excellent to one another and you know, party on and all this and just kind of these like basic things. But I don't know. It's still just something that's super fun and super cool, you know? So I definitely would always recommend these. Um, you know, I'm probably not going to cover the, the face, the music movie, um, unless people want me to, uh, I, I do have all of them on Blu-ray now. So that's nice. But yeah, I, I do think like, uh, you know, with that film even, like, I do like how, you know, they homage, like, George Carlin's character by having, um, spoiler, kind of, but, like, Christian Shaw's in the movie, and she plays the daughter of Rufus, which is kind of nice, and, you know, um, yeah, just, like, they brought, like, Hal Landon Jr. back, and they brought, um, 
like Amy Stop Poynton's in the movie, and you know it, it is a fun movie. With it's in the sphere of the Bill and Ted universe, so I just think that's super fun, and it's cool to see Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves like older, and they have daughters and your know, kids, I guess, really. Um, but yeah, I funny enough, I will say that um, I think the Bill and Ted story in particular, I think the Alex and Keanu like story is done for the most part uh i think they'd be down to maybe do something but like i don't think they will honestly i mean you know it just is what it is but uh i would not be opposed to having some kind of a thing about their kids uh so if you don't already know like they have these two kids uh one is played by samara weaving the other is played by uh bridget payne lundy or bridget lundy payne or something like that uh, and they play the kids of Bill and Ted, respectively. And they are so fun in that movie. I mean, I love Smart Weaving so much anyway. But Bridget's also great in this. Uh, they are non-binary. So, you know, I I think that's, like, really fun and cool. And I think they have a really good chemistry as well. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would be down for something like that. Um, you know, and why not? But uh, for Bogus Journey, uh, you can watch this. Uh, it's streamable. Uh, it's not really streaming like on a particular like place, but you can rent it if you want. Uh, I would say if you're at all interested in this series, uh, get the F- Scream Factory uh, Blu-ray. Uh, the first movie on it, uh, the first movie doesn't really have a whole lot of like special features, but the second one actually has a bunch, which is really cool. And I haven't seen the third one on there. I'm sure they'll have like little itty bitty special features on it, but. Yeah, definitely maybe get that. It was actually pretty reasonably priced uh, for three movies, which was nice. And yeah, I I would definitely recommend this one and the first movie and even the third movie. Like, I think these are just feel good movies that are, you know, it's a a cornerstone in the the buddy comedy genre, if you will. And it's one of those ones that's very memorable. And I personally think if you're into that kind of comedy and you're into that kind of like absurdity, but still having a heart, I, I would definitely recommend these for sure. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com. If you'd like to give any movie recommendations, give feedback on the show, or if you just want to say, hey, I'm open to all of it. You can also follow the show on Instagram at Cult Cinema Circle and on Twitter at Cult Cinema Circle. On those platforms, I tend to announce the episodes I'm going to be covering and just generally interact with people on there. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, Kremp, K-R-E-M-P, all one word. On there, I log the movies that I watch, I write stupid little reviews about them, and just general foolishness over there. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm pretty much out there all over the place. Be sure to leave five stars and a one-to-two-sentence review about the show so that we can grow the audience more and just spread the love all around. Be sure to tune in next week to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, where I'll be covering 1997's Perfect Blue. A retired pop singer turned actress's sense of reality is shaken when she is stalked by an obsessed fan and seemingly a ghost of her past. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. And remember, don't be like Evil Bill and Ted and try to mow down your friendly neighborhood cats. That just makes you a fucking dickweed. Take care. Bye.